Well, a Christian greeting to everyone. Glad for everyone's presence. And I'm glad that you are here at uh, this moment. I believe that God has something in store for us. And the uh, title that I have for the message this morning is uh, Operation Rescue. And I would just like to ask the question in here, (coughs) and uh, I would like for you to respond to it. Uh, And that question is, how many people in here this morning are saved? Okay, thank you. I am glad or happy to uh, be in this uh, Operation Rescue Squad vehicle and to be a driver of this vehicle. So uh, welcome to this Rescue Squad that we're in this morning. We're going to do some... some, uh, looking at different things that may not be uh, the easiest thing to say, some of the things, but uh, nevertheless, I feel God has led me in this. But before I really go into the, uh, the uh, text that I want to read, there's a few things, other scriptures that I'd like to look at. The first one is found in Luke, chapter uh, 17, if you would like to turn to that. As I was studying, I I came across this passage of Scripture, and uh, I realized something, or it seemed like the Lord revealed something that that I never saw before in uh, in this passage. It says then, in verse 1, Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible that that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If a brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. And if he transgress against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And that would total to the number 490 times, according to some of the other scriptures, other gospels. And so they were overwhelmed with this thought that if a person comes seven times a day and asks you for forgiveness, you should forgive him or I should forgive him. Now, I realize that being in a rescue squad like we are, we are prone to say, what is your problem? Jesus never told us that we should ask that. 
He said, if he comes and asks us to forgive him, you should forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. You know, I, I, I need big faith to do something like this. And so the Lord said again, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted into the sea and it should obey you. Uh, that's a big lesson for us there. And I, the way that I always heard this expounded was that all we need is just a little bit of faith and we'll get into the kingdom or we'll be saved. Just, just a tiny wee bit of faith is what it takes to become a Christian or to be a follower of, of Jesus. And and now I think that that is not at all what he's saying because there's other passages in the scripture that commend people that have big faith, large faith, faith that it, it talks about a big woman or a big man. And what it means is their lifestyle. They had big, huge faith. So why would Jesus be coming along and telling us that if you have just a tiny bit of faith, you're going to make it. I don't think that's, that's what he's saying at all. He's saying if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now, if you take a grain of mustard seed, it is very small. And I think that's where the people get the idea here. The grain of mustard seed is very small, but after it is put into the ground or falls into the ground, then it'll grow up into a big tree. And Jesus said in one of the Gospels that the birds of the air will come and find their nest in this mustard tree or plant or whatever it is. So I think what he's saying here is a life principle. If you have faith that is alive like this mustard seed put in the ground and it comes up, and flourishes, and the, and the birds come and find a nest there. That's the way your faith should be in something that is alive. You can have faith in something that's dead. But put your faith in Jesus that is alive and real, and your faith will flourish. Things will begin to happen. You shall say unto this mountain, be picked up and cast into the sea, and it shall be done unto you. Now, what can you get out of that then other than the fact that it's going to be done? By faith. Faith that you have in a life principle. That's one of the lessons. The next one is found in James chapter 5. Turn to that, if you will. James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Brethren, or you that belong to this Operation Rescue Squad, or you that belong to this fellowship or any other fellowship, 
If any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, or the word convert him would mean if one of you turns him back, you go to rescue that person, you turn him back, then let him know, let this person know that he which turns back or brings back the sinner from the heir of his way. Now this is someone that has been with the truth. He believed the truth, but he strayed. He went away. So you need to go, or I need to go and bring him back. Let that person know but converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. Now when you stray from the truth and you no longer believe the truth, you have got something that's taking place in that person's life. And it's called death. He loses what he has unless he is restored. Now let the person know that goes and restores him that he shall save his soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now think of when the person gets right with God. He comes back because you went and you brought that person, you directed him to the right way and brought him back to God. Let let that person know that that thing hides a multitude of sins. A multitude is a huge number of people or a huge number of things. And in this case, a huge number of sins that will follow because this guy was going the wrong way. And when he's going the, long, the wrong way, he can no longer decide what is right and what is wrong. He no longer makes his choices or decisions, decisions according to the word of God, according to the spirit of the Lord. He goes his own way and death starts to eat him. And so he, he no longer makes good decisions or right decisions or holy decisions. So when he's restored or brought back, think of all the sins that he has kept from when he's brought back to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I think we're ready to turn back to Second Samuel chapter 11. And before I uh, before I start reading this chapter, I would like to tell you a story.
Back in I think I have the, my date wrong, but I, I think it was back like in in the 1800s. In the state of Massachusetts, an interesting case came before the courts. And this was that there was a man out by the water. He was uh, walking out on the dock onto the onto the uh, water. Had a, there at the ocean front, they had a kind of like a beach, and there, there were docks out there. And this man walked out there. And in walking out there, he tripped over a rope. When he tripped over this rope, he fell into the water, which was rather deep at that point already. And he went down into the water, and, and began sinking. There was another man uh, quite a, a little ways away on another dock, and he was reclining on his chair there and enjoying sun, sun, sunning himself or whatever he was doing, and he lay there, and this man that fell off the dock went into the water and was struggling, and all of a sudden he went down, and this man that was sitting over there on the dock was watching him. When the man came back up, he said, help, I can't swim. And the man just sat there. And the drowning man went down again and uh, came up the second time. And he said, well, someone help me. I can't swim. And he was away from a place where he could grab a hold of a rope or, or the dock or anything. And so he went down again, never to return. Now when the family of this man found out that there was another man on another dock that seen this whole thing happening, and he never moved, he never did a thing. He just sat there or lay there and watched the man. When they found out the coldness and indifference of this man, they took him to court. They wanted to sue him for not doing anything about uh, their husband and, and father. Well, the court trial came up, and the judge said that there is nothing in the law that makes this man guilty of committing a crime or anything like that when he refused to help this man. So he said, it's thrown out of court. We have no case here. Now, that what these, uh, the judge did, or what the law does, is they all agree to the act of Cain. Am I my brother's keeper? That's what the law, that's what the state, that's what the world wants us to believe. Am I my brother's keeper? We can answer that for ourselves. But the law and things like that mostly agree with Cain. While indifference may be legal, it is immoral to be indifferent. Hate is not the opposite of love. 
Apathy is just not caring. Okay. Second Samuel chapter 11. And it came to pass after the year was expired that the time when the kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Reba but David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked up on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Now I would, I would like to say that sometimes people think that when we see things like this that oh I'm so sinful I saw this. I saw this, or on the street, people uh, see uh, women on the, men see women on the street, and oh, I'm so sinful because I saw this. No, that doesn't make anybody sinful. Let's continue to read. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, "Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite?" And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned to her house. Now, the person that David sent over came back and said that she is the wife of another man. David should have known right there that that is a no-no. But David had done so many things in his life. Uh, let me go this route. David was a very powerful king in his time. David was a man that walked after God, a man that sought the heart of God. He was a man, it seemed like, you know, he, he just prevailed in so many areas in his life that God was working with him delivered him, and just amazing results from, from uh, God that worked in David's life. The times that he was fleeing, if you remember the stories, he was fleeing from Saul. David, God protected David, gave him wonderful victory in a, in a lot of areas. But David had one flaw in his life that caused his downfall. Right? And... We'll read of that as we continue on. Verse 5. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come to him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war, war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house, and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. Now this, this mess of meat is not just referring to meat as we know meat, but it's referring to something to eat, food. 
But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house and all the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down into thy house, unto thy house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As thou liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. And David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also, and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And at evening when he went out to lie on his bed with... Pardon me. And at evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew that violent men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and of Uriah the Hittite died also. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war, and charged the messengers, saying, When thou hast made an end of telling the matters of war unto the king, and if so be that the king's wrath arise, and he say unto thee, Wherefore approach ye so nigh unto the city when you, when you fight? Knew you not that they would shoot from the wall? Who smote Abimelech, the son Jerubal Sheth? Did not a woman cast a piece of millstone upon him from the wall that he died? Why went you nigh to the wall? And then say thou, thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and showed David and all that Joab had sent him for. And the messenger said unto David, Surely the man prevailed against us and came out against us into the field. And we were upon them even unto the entering of the gate. And the shooters shot from the, off the wall upon thy servants. And some of, thy, of the king's servants are be dead. And thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said unto the messengers, Thou shalt say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease you or disturb you, for the sword devoureth one as well as the other. Make that battle more strong against the city and overthrow it, and encourage thou him. And the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead. She mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched, to his, fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done, this pleased the Lord. This is a very moving passage of Scripture, and especially as we think of King David 
and how the Lord had blessed him so much. You can read in chapters, the first seven chapters of Second Samuel and, and others, First Samuel as well, and you will see how the Lord was with him. But when David did this, when he took this wife that was a woman that was another man's wife, it says that the thing that David had done, this pleased the Lord. Now, whenever a person, whenever the Lord is displeased with our performance, there is chaos going to happen in our life. Our lives will go down, and we will make decisions that are wrong. David knew some of the decisions that he was making were wrong, but he went on nevertheless. It seems like he didn't care. And that's why people that go out and they just let everything go, they don't care anymore. They walk so far away from God that they don't care. That's an awful state to be in. That's a downward state of life. It ends in death, the book of Proverbs tells us. Okay, when the wife of Uriah, Uriah in verse 26, heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. Now, the, the uh, International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, Standard Bible Encyclopedia, tells us that Uriah's wife tried to, to put on a front in her mourning. She tried to make her face look sad because she wanted to protect David as well. So when two people come together and they have a, a bad relationship with one another, both of these parties are going to try to protect each other. That's the way it always is. You just can't get away from that. The woman will not say that she is killed and the man will not say that that, uh, that he is guilty. They, I mean, they just try to go on. And it was a whole year that this went on between uh, David and, and Beersheba. Well, I guess we'll have to go on into uh, chapter 12. And let's remember, but the thing that David had done, this pleased the Lord. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. Now, Nathan was a prophet of God. One time before, you go back to first, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, you can read about Nathan. This Nathan was a wonderful prophet of God. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. Now, a person has to be in contact with his Lord. You have to be allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to you in, in, in today's setting. We have the Holy Spirit. Back in David's time, they did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of people like you and I have the privilege of having him today. And so the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, there were two men in one city. The one was rich and the other poor. The rich man had an exceeding many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing save a little ewe lamb which he brought and nourished up. 
And it grew together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. Can you imagine a person telling a story like this to David and David being the shepherd boy that he was knew all about what it was to have a little sheep that was very precious to him. So this story took an awful strong hold upon David. And he said, There came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take his of his own flock and his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was to come, that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that has done this thing shall surely die. Oh, look at the judgment that people make that have guilt in their life. Quick to judge. Quick to condemn. And so he, David went back to the law, and he said, And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man shall surely be, the man that has done this thing shall surely die. Now it was not, and stealing a sheep was not something that a man should die for. The law says that he shall restore the lamb fourfold. If he stole the, uh, an ox, he had to return five oxen. If he stole if he stole a lamb, he had to return four lambs, and so, or, or return fourfold. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. This man David had no pity. If we go back and, and, and we say that what is the opposite of love? It's apathy. If you go to Luke chapter 16, you find Lazarus and the rich man. It wasn't that the rich man didn't see Lazarus laying at his gate, but the thing is he didn't care. Just didn't care. So it's no wonder that you and I are people that we consider ourselves to be saved are in this rescue squad. God has a responsibility for us to perform. But maybe we have guilt or something. It could happen to a saved person. David was a man after God's own heart, and look what happened to him. Look at the judgment that he made. So, and Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. You are guilty of the very thing that you want done to this person. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I appointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thy masters, gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives in thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have moreover given unto thee such and such things. 
Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord? Here he was asking a man that sought so much after the heart of God. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord? Today there are people that are saying, we were in a funeral in, in Hartville just the other week, and I met a man there that uh, has had, is living with his second wife. And so he was telling me some of the things. I knew him when we were uh, in our teenage years and, and over. I asked him, how are you doing in your Christian life? Oh, he said, I am born again and happy in the Lord. What happened? What happens to a man like that? He can so readily say, oh, yeah, I, I am a follower of God. But he can do all these things that God said, don't do. So what's going to happen? Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord, verse 9, to do evil in his sight and has killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and has taken his wife to be thy wife and has slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thy house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thy own house and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun for thou didst it secretly. Now look, People that do things in secret think that no one else knows about it. But they forget that God sees everything. And you will never get away from the guilt that is against the commandment of God. Thou shalt not live, commit adultery. Thou shalt not commit fornication. That's the law of God. And David thought that it was the law of the king. But he was under the law of God which he didn't recognize until. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, and I think this is what a rescue squad is doing. They will bring people to God that, and help them to realize that they are facing God. And if they just face you, of course, they'll get turned off. They'll get offended. And, and if you don't go in, in, the, in the right time, it, it seemed like it was a year before these things happened. And then the Lord spoke to Nathan. So the Lord let him live in that situation that, it's, that he was in for one whole year. Before the Lord thought that David was ready to receive it. Maybe Peter went before that. And that is so important. For us to, reali to realize that we need the sense and direction of God when we go to confront a person. It is, confronting a person is very serious. It's important that we know the facts. If we don't go with known facts, we are going to destroy that person. And many people have left one church because they were offended 
by someone that came to them and thought that they were the power of the Holy Spirit. They have to take the place of the Holy Spirit and reveal this sin to that person. Some people think they have a gift of that. They can tell people what's wrong with them, but they can't tell people what to do about it. You need to be an encourager before you go and talk to someone. If you're not an encourager, and if you only go to tell a person what's wrong, you are going, doing the wrong thing. Get your life in order with God, and let the Holy Spirit guide you as to when the proper time is, and then go. When the Spirit leads you to go, go. It's important. It's vital. It's important to the life of the body. It's not, we're, we're not just the kind of people that think that, hey, when communion time comes and that person hasn't, hasn't straightened up, then I'm not going along to communion. I just refuse to because there's sin in the camp. Well, what did you do about the sin in the camp before communion time came? Where was the Lord during all this time in your life? And then verse 14, oh no, verse 13. Nathan said unto David, the Lord also has put away thy sin. You have the power of an attorney. You have the power to tell someone that through the power and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, thy sin is forgiven thee. But there's one thing that Nathan told him. You have given occasion for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Because of, of the way that you acted. Because of your conduct. And I believe that, that David was struck. I believe that he just saw his self in the eyes of God. You know, the song says, take a look at yourself. And you'll be able to see differently when you look at other people. Look at yourself first. Have I got things that aren't right with the Lord? That I need to correct before I go and try to have I got a two-by-four in my eyes and I go to pick a speck in my brother's eye? Check yourself before the Lord. And Nathan departed. Well, he said, you shall, uh, the child, that the child also that is born of thee shall utterly die. And Nathan departed. And if we read the remainder of that story, there was a lot of things that followed David's life because of this sin that he did. Now, David became right with the Lord. But because of this thing, it made a bad impact on David's life. Later on, he got people together that they were trying to fight. He brought the people together, and he put them under a saw and sawed the people in half. He did a lot of evil things. He was a very utterly destructive man after this happened to him. Wow. It's serious. If we want to be working in the Lord's, on the Lord's team, it's serious. But nevertheless, it's not an impossible thing to do. The Lord will give direction. 
someone has said adversity is sometimes hard on a man. But for one man who can stand prosperity, there are 100 who will stand adversity. For one person that can stand prosperity, 100 will be able to stand adversity in their life. Success can be very dangerous. And for David, it was. And for David, it was uh, very real. The man who God used, the deceitfulness of sin is, is very bad. Be sure of my, of our response to our, our sinning brother as a friend. Some feel they have a gift to do the work of the Holy Spirit. If you enjoy exposing your brother's sin, don't do it. Something is very wrong with your attitude. Godly confrontation is a costly business. You must fulfill this responsibility out of love. Know the facts, not hearsay. A wise sense of timing. Spend time with Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit prepare his heart as well as yours. Be careful in wording that you use. David lived that experience. He brought him face to face with God or Nathan. Nathan went there and with holy boldness he told David, you are the man. Now I don't know if this was a true story or not. It might have just been a parable. But nevertheless, God gave him that message that he gave to David. You are the man. So when you go, when you see something in a person's life, talk to that person face to face. Not a telephone call. Do not write a letter. And do not use the pulpit to throw sticks at people. If your brother sins, go and tell him alone, Matthew 18 says. Go alone. You meet that person face to face. If you're afraid to meet him face to face, don't say anything. Keep your mouth shut. Go and tell him his, his heir face to face, and God will bless you. Now, I, I believe this morning that a lot of us in, in saying what I did will probably find ourselves wanting in a lot of areas. And that's why I'm preaching this message. I want you to feel your need of God in your life your need of the Holy Spirit, your need of dependence upon God, your need of faith as a grain of mustard seed or as faith in real life principles. May the Lord bless as we continue to
do his will. I'm going to give an invitation this morning. If you are here, and we're not trying to pick you out, I'm not trying to pick you out if you've done something wrong or are not living the way that God wants you to live. But I would like for you before God this morning to answer the question for yourself, am I really where God wants me to be? Am I the kind of person that would love to see people restored? Maybe They may not be from this church. They may be somewhere else. But they could be from this church. You know things that nobody else, no one else knows. And nobody else needs to know. But you know, so that might have been the Holy Spirit talking to you and telling you to do something. So he wants you to operate in this rescue squad. So with all eyes closed, if you sense that you have a need in your life this morning to draw close to the Lord, closer than what you have ever been, you would like to be that person that God can use. You would like to be that Nathan that the Lord sent to speak to David. And speaking to a king is hard business. Shrekly. You, you should be afraid of going to the king and confronting him with something. But when the Lord sends you, mountains can be removed. Multitude of sins can be taken away, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you would like to be one of those Nathans, one of those people that spends time with God and gets your information from God and the Holy Spirit, I would like to see you raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I saw some people raising both hands. Let's pray together. 